So, Brent, are you doing a, a, an intro for this one? Oh, shit. I totally spaced. I was I mean, supposed to. Um, I can. Um. Hmm. All right. <laughs> <laughs> and we have it, folks. <laughs> there you go. Hello, and welcome to Sophia's Choice, a Golden Girls podcast. Um, I'm going to be your host this week. Uh, my name is Brent, and I'm going to be joined by Alan. Hello. And Ski. Howdy, howdy. And so what we're going to do this week is we're going to talk about uh, Season 4, Episode 8, Brother, Can You Spare a Jacket? So this is an episode of the Golden Girls that if you enjoyed when they were killing minks in the garage, you're going to love this one. (laughs) Um, It's a laugh riot. Um, So after we discuss all the many, many chuckles this episode gave us, we'll go through and, you know, figure out our MVP, our best line. We'll award it, um, you know theoretically a positive number of slices of cheesecake <laughs> um, but maybe this will be the first week where we go negative who knows guiding us through all of that this week will be your captain captain bidwell here we go all right captain well, allen in no. case i've not referred to his last name before <laughs> it's nothing that i'm that i'm trying to hide from our our listening audience so gotcha uh, so you, you're not running from the law the press <laughs> of your parents <laughs> right <laughs> You assume that's his real last name. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I mean. He's been running for the law so long, he's got that base covered. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> but like, that would be an awkward thing, wouldn't it, if he found out that I was some sort of a, a fugitive. <laughs> some sort of a scofflaw. <laughs> right. Especially, too, I mean, <laughs> I, Ski has known me since I was 12 years old. Uh-huh. You've known me for, what, probably 15 years, 20 yeah. years? You'd now. have to be in like the, the the witness protection program or something right. like that level. But it's like, what would I have done back so, well, then? No, not necessarily you. Oh, yeah, okay. you're some red room. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe I'm so high up that Ski really hasn't known me that long, but my <laughs> memories have been implanted in his brain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> exactly. Um I mean, you definitely got the build of a, you know, of a super agent. Assuming <laughs> yeah, that definitely. super agent is David Harbour. <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, Black Widow, you know. I have uh, seen it, yes. Oh, okay. okay so. nice. and, and, Red, and David Harbour is the guy that did the... Uh, um, Red Guardian, Red yeah. Guardian, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. His name from yeah. Did you guys watch it at home on the Disney Plus? No, I saw it in the theater. Nice. Good for uh, you. When me and Ryan, my brother went to, give, uh, on give vacation. Giving ScarJo her due. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yep. Well, yeah, I'll, I'll be curious to see how that lawsuit goes. Because, mm-hmm. um, yeah, she just, yeah. did you see that? She just recently filed a lawsuit against Disney mm-hmm. because a lot of her pay is based on uh, on how the, the movie does at the box office. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, you know, basically the, the gist of it is that they cannibalized a lot of their box office. Oh, um, for the online Yeah, by release. doing that. Uh, now, I don't know how that's worked out either, though. I would assume that they would have something in the contract that would say, okay, you also get you know, the combination of all these various uh, forms, but maybe not. Well, when, so keep in mind, Black Widow was made before all of this stuff, mm-hmm. uh, all the mm-hmm. pandemic. It was supposed to come out like two years ago, right? Right, yeah, yeah. Before, well, not two years, but a little over a year ago. Was it? I, I, May of was, last year okay. is when it was originally. But it was supposed to come out like before uh, Loki and Winter Soldier and stuff mm-hmm. too, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And so it's very possible that they didn't think that Disney Plus would have a, re- a release like that. Well, yeah, I, I'm sure time. that it was not originally part of it. I mean, I, I don't yeah. think Disney had ever necessarily intended to make that a, a yeah. brand, new, brand new box office yeah. release. Yeah. But it's like ever since then, we've had I don't know what four or five now that have mm-hmm. that have been released 
you know, both ways. Yeah, so. well, and then if you include things like HBO Max, there's been even more. Oh, yeah, I guess there's a lot of, you know, people in Hollywood that are up in arms about that, too. So I, I know that um, John Krasinski and Emily Blunt, you know, mm-hmm. I think are also have some sort of, uh, I don't know if it's legal um, mm-hmm. proceedings, but they definitely had to renegotiate things. For silent. Yeah, with the uh, Quiet Place Quiet Part place, 2. Quiet Place, sorry. Mm-hmm. So are Ski and I paid per stream or per download, or yeah, like, do you have to listen live in mm-hmm. order for us to get a cut? Or yeah. <laughs> unfortunately, um, you guys are you guys get thirty three percent of all of our proceeds each. Um, so right now, that uh, that pile of zero dollars in front of you is <laughs> the exact amount that you're due. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, like, listen, well I definitely earned that zero with the intro. <laughs> well, so. <laughs> So <laughs> what would you say would be your, uh, I don't know, we'll call it break-even point. Uh-huh. If, if uh, you know, we, we've jokingly thrown out there, like uh-huh. if somebody wants to hear Ski sing the hits uh-huh. or, you know, whatever our... our the public domain hits. Uh, yeah. Um, <laughs> but whatever things that we would throw onto a Patreon. Be you. <laughs> yeah. To where it's like, okay, if we were like, if, if we had enough people or we had some number of people yeah. that were like, yes, I would pay five bucks a month uh-huh. to get an extra episode of, yeah. you know, other content from you three. Yeah. What would be the amount you would need to be making to come and do a second episode of something each week or the equivalent thereof? Oh, um, like how much monthly would you say that you would need to be clearing to make that worth your while? It's not even about the money. Like, like <laughs> it's one of those things. That, like, I'd give it to charity. Like, oh, okay. whatever it was, I would give it to charity. Okay. Okay. But it would, yeah, it would definitely have to be. Something. Something more than this. <laughs> <laughs> so if we had, let's say theoretically, if one person was like, I would pay five bucks a month if uh-huh. I got one extra episode a week. Uh-huh. Um, so you I'd would give be... my dollar sixty-seven to charity, <laughs> and you would feel like that would be worth the uh, <laughs> the effort. Exactly. exactly. No, I'm not going to give a twenty-minute monologue on Bill Green. <laughs> But but you might be willing to come and play a board game and let people listen to it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, or a jigsaw puzzle or something, you know. Oh, by the way, mm-hmm. your Instagram thing about like the jigsaw puzzle and then focus your eyes and you'll see Susan Harris. Right. I thought that was comic gold. <laughs> well, thank I, you. I, I genuinely laughed out loud <laughs> at that. I was like, oh, well, he's got the hang of this social media. <laughs> I have to look that up because now it I'm was intrigued. really funny. Yeah. I really, really enjoyed that. I feel like I'm getting slightly better with social media because um, mm. obviously it's just something where you know, we were like right on that that breaking point where you know Facebook was becoming a thing when we were in college, mm-hmm. and that was really the first. I mean, MySpace, I guess, as well. Yeah. But um, I, I never got on board with either of those things, mm-hmm. and so most of social media has passed me by. Although I've yeah. had a Twitter account for a while, but very mm-hmm. you know underutilized, yeah. um, and. Uh, so it's like right now, it's like I look and I think, oh, I see these other people that are so much better at doing social media <laughs> and seem to just be more active with it. Mm-hmm. And for me, I'm like, yeah, I need to remind myself like once a day, like, oh, yeah, I, I should probably go on and maybe try to make a post on one of these things just mm-hmm. to keep us in yeah. people's mind a little bit. But the zeitgeist. Yeah. I don't know. I, if we ever got, uh, you know, significantly more popular <laughs> than we are i feel like we would be uh i don't know that we would do well to pay somebody <laughs> to mm-hmm. take care of our social media presence mm-hmm. for us um if we ever got if we ever 
if we ever get popular, it's going to be through no fault of our own. <laughs> oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> It'll be purely accidental. <laughs> exactly. It'll be because this guy goes on some anti-Semite rant. Right. rant. <laughs> what is this? You guys like lampooning it, man. You said something about racism last time, too. Exactly. That's horrible. Exactly. It's like, we're popular because we got canceled. <laughs> right. Well, the funny thing about Ski is he's probably the least hate-filled person that I know, mm-hmm. but he's also the person who is the least up to date on what is now socially acceptable. And oh, so- God, yeah. So <laughs> in the last episode, you know, I'm Googling all these euphemisms for smoking cigarettes and uh-huh. stuff. And so many of them were just horrendously racist. Oh, yeah, I bet. And it was it was just really awkward going through and reading them all, <laughs> and then like even like the ones that I did include, I had what to like was the just, worst. No, <laughs> I had to like just triple check it myself. I was like, is there any possible way that this could be racist? And I'm just blind to how racist it is. <laughs> well, thankfully, right now our footprint is so small <laughs> that you know even if we slip up and said something you know unintentionally but really <laughs> stupid, yeah. I don't think that. There's not much to kill. There's not much to cancel mm-hmm. at this point. Exactly. <laughs> so I don't think we have uh, too much to worry about. But, yeah, uh-huh. I just think that you and I probably <laughs> paid a little more attention to that than what Ski does. Yeah. But he's actually agree. probably the person who is the least uh, hate-filled out of our my, my worst fear, okay, is that, you know, Ski says something hateful, you okay. know, and then our 86 regular listeners all immediately stop listening, <laughs> but 4,000 brand new ones start. Uh. <laughs> so you wouldn't ride that Who wave? Who said what? <laughs> Absolutely not. I was like, I don't know you folks, and I don't want anything to do with you. So is there any amount, like, like I think recently there was a, now this wasn't anything, you know, hate-filled, but there was a young woman who is who has a very popular podcast, I guess, about, you know, it's like very... I don't know, sex positive or something like okay. that. And and is about mental health. I don't know her name or whatever. Anyway, she just signed a deal with Spotify, like a sixty million dollar do you listen to this podcast? No, I don't. I just happen okay. to notice about I noticed podcasters signed sixty million dollar exclusivity oh. deal with yeah. you know uh, Spotify or, or one of those uh-huh. um, services. Yeah. But if you were able to get some sort of a deal like that, do you you still wouldn't want your name to be a not want, but you wouldn't be willing to have your name associated with hate? No, absolutely <laughs> not. Absolutely not. <laughs> well, I, I, that, that makes me feel good about you, Brent. Okay. I already did, but yeah, yeah I don't think I, I would feel the same way. Yeah. If I was in a position where it's like I needed money in order. <laughs> To cover the basic needs of the people that I'm expected to take care of, you Mm -hmm. know, like the kids or whatever, Mm -hmm. then I guess I'd be, okay, I'll sacrifice my reputation Mm -hmm. and whatever in order to do those things if there was no other reasonable way. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) But, um, but yeah, as long as I can, you know, get a, hell, I can make $15 an hour going to, uh, uh, what is it, Panda Express. (laughs) So, (laughs) you know, as long as there's a job out there for me to get, then yeah, yeah, I, I would not. The only put hate po- out in the world. Mm-hmm. The only money. positive yeah. thing I could think of, if you had like all of a sudden mm-hmm. a huge influx of like, I don't say the wrong listener sure. group, mm-hmm. uh, is if they really were latched on for a, a yeah. amount of time, could you potentially infuse better messages? Oh, okay. To, uh, now, my concern, I guess, would be, would that better message or the more positive message sway anyone? Right. 
or at least any, enough of anyone to. So the audible message that he's giving out is hate filled, but the subliminal message is love thy neighbor. <laughs> <laughs> well, no. So I like, think he's talking about it in the accidental like, situation yeah, where uh, he accidentally says some something anti-Semitic, uh, mm-hmm. and we get a bunch of you know Nazis mm-hmm. that start following is it our still podcast. Still, me that has to say this. Yeah, it's definitely you. Absolutely, yeah. <laughs> You're the one who would be more likely to make the mistake. Um, exactly, <laughs> and it's one of those things that it's like oh. Racist grandfather says something. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> it just makes sense. Uh, I'll give you that. That's <laughs> so. But, but would you quit doing the podcast if you found out that all of our like you've you've been here? You've been here for all these recording sessions, obviously. Like like we're not using a you know doubles or you know voice doubles to cover for you. Um, bringing that guy from Police Academy, <laughs> right? Yeah. We, yeah. Man, if we get Michael Winslow on here, oh, imagine yeah. we'd really take off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for guest stars. He'll be the new goat. <laughs> but yeah, so you know that there's not any genuine, uh, you know, racist or hateful type things that, that anybody says on this podcast. Yeah, or even outside of the podcast. Well, yeah, never, yeah, right. <laughs> never. <laughs> to, to cover that base as well, right? Like, if you guys aren't saying hateful things, it's like, are we rolling, Bob? All right. Yeah. <laughs> Time to lay off the Italians. <laughs> right. I think it's funny that you... you I, I don't know if this is conscious or not, but that you're like, I need to pick a race that we wouldn't necessarily ever be. <laughs> you know, that doesn't get persecuted so much <laughs> as part of this joke. I don't know. On the Gold Girls, the Italians. Yeah. <laughs> now I'm saying it. Um, Chief Wiggum tells Lou to lay off the Italians. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I always love that line. <laughs> That's why I'll leave that. Well, anyway, I don't know how we got to this point, but I don't anticipate. Are we 20 minutes in yet? <laughs> no, like 13 minutes in. Yeah. Nice. We're trying to get the, the funny out now because <laughs> right. we're about to hit a fucking right? drought. <laughs> <laughs> and it's going to be awkward, too, because it's going to be hard to even insert the jokes without <laughs> it being insensitive. Yeah. <laughs> but anyways, so, yes, yeah, so today. Uh, Full steam ahead. As Brent has said, season four, episode eight, brother, can you spare that jacket? original air date on this one was December 3rd, 1988, and it was uh, written by Kathy Spear and Terry Grossman and directed, again, by Terry Hughes. Scene one, we open with Sophia committing a federal crime by opening Rose's mail. (laughs) Uh, Blanche returns from her rendezvous with the Tanner, and Rose arrives from the market with the uh, weekly scratchers in hand. Uh, As uh, the ladies scratch lottery tickets, we find that they have won $10,000. Which, as we have come to know with the Golden Girls, $10,000 is a shit ton of money <laughs> because, you know... Well, whenever... they even comment at some point that we're rich! Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's... Uh, they are four women of a certain age that have done nothing to save for their future. <laughs> <laughs> so 10000 is a big deal. Mm-hmm. But that said, you know, we find later on they had no intentions of being responsible with that money this time mm-hmm. around. Uh, but, yeah, so uh, while Dorothy, uh, Rose, and Blanche get ready to go... Sophia gives a box of stuff to Thrift Shop Dave that includes Blanche's new aviator jacket. Uh, unbeknownst to Sophia, Blanche had put the winning ticket in the jacket pocket, which I thought was an odd. I mean, I, I granted they needed to get from point A to point B with this mm-hmm. plot, yeah. but I thought it was odd that she would say, I have this ticket worth $10,000. I'm going to set it in this jacket that is, you know, just completely unattended. It seems like you'd keep that on your person at all times I until she, I think she put it in the flower in the freezer with her jewels. Right, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so That's um, a good call back. 
But yeah, so the other three, they get back into the living room, and then they all head out for champagne and caviar with uh, Sophia saying, Yahoo, we're rich. Uh, so with a $2,500 each that they're going to get <laughs> out of this $10, Well, doesn't even Rose say, oh, it's almost $2,000 apiece. Yeah. Now, Rose, Rose I like, think, was just taking into consideration taxes. That's, oh, you're probably right. Because they're all like, yeah, almost. <laughs> So uh, we get into scene two. We're right back in the living room now, and the girls are searching frantically everywhere for the missing jacket. Mm-hmm. Uh, Sophia admits she admits that she gave the jacket away, but at this point she doesn't know that the ticket was in that mm-hmm. jacket. Yeah. So I don't know why she has such a level of fear in yeah. her of, of saying it if she didn't know about the ticket to begin with. Yeah. I think she's afraid that uh, Dorothy's going to put a stock pot over her head and bang on it with a wooden spoon. <laughs> right. <laughs> It's happened know. before. Yeah, Rose is the only one that gets much abuse from anyone. Everybody Physical gets a smack here and there from Sophia. Yeah. But no one else gets abused by the others <laughs> besides Rose. Yeah. So, yeah. so But she does admit that she gave it to the thrift shop. They tell her about the ticket. And then they all rush out to uh, to get to the thrift shop before the jacket gets sold. Mm-hmm. Uh, so then we uh, we are in the thrift shop. Um, they talk to to Dave. Mm-hmm. He you know he says, oh yeah, you know we just put that stuff out. It should still be here. And then we see a, a very large man um, is purchasing the jacket for mm-hmm. his boss. Apparently that boss is famous Pepsi pitch man Michael J. Fox. Mm-hmm. And uh, <laughs> after uh, several extraordinarily weak attempts to get the jacket back, uh, the large man. Uh, hands it to a sparkling gloved hand, mm-hmm. which I assume must have been the real Michael Jackson, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't imagine that He's they would He's uncredited, but yes. Uh, <laughs> uh, almost a thousand percent. Right. That had to have been him. And uh, so, yeah, he hands that over, um, and then our time at the thrift shop comes to an end. Mm-hmm. So I, I felt like there was could have been more Well, at in the end, they're almost scene. more interested in meeting Michael Jackson than getting the jacket back. Right. Which, I mean, cool to, to meet him, I guess, mm-hmm. but uh, especially back in 88. Yeah. But it seems like the more like pressing thing would be to get that money. All right. And they've been more aggressive. You know, I mean, Blanche, a little later in the episode, gets super aggressive. Now, granted, the guy she gets uh, you know, kind of badass with is not a giant man like the one who had the jacket. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but we'll get to, that, get to that later. But, yeah, it seems like they could have put a much better effort towards. Or, or freaking to say, hey. There's something in that pocket that we need to get out. Right. And I just had that for a few seconds. Yeah, and, and the person that it's for would not need what was in that pocket. So exactly I don't think right. they would have fought for it. Um, they're just been like, yeah. Say, sure. we donated that by accident. Yeah. Can you help us out? Mm-hmm. But anyway. Or could we have it back after the show? That would have made for a short episode, though. Yeah. Um, yeah. Without nearly the logic out the window as Yeah, or usual. the sadness that <laughs> we come later to, <laughs> yeah. to get through. So. But that ends our, our act one. Mm. Um, we start off act two then. Now we're mm. back. Now we're in the kitchen. And Rose is on the phone pleading their case. After she gets off the phone, she tells the girls, uh, he said he was in total agreement that it was a miscarriage mm. of justice and that we deserved the money. He also told me that I called his Chinese restaurant instead of the lottery commission. Uh, and he felt so bad, though, that he's giving us free egg rolls next time we come in. That's, That's a good yeah. runner-up prize. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> $10,000 worth of egg rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, do you remember Sherry's description of egg rolls? No, I don't remember. What, what was her description of it? Um, <laughs> Deep fried trash or something like yeah. that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she's not a fan of egg rolls, um, yeah. which I, I really like a good egg roll. I do, too. I like a good egg roll. I like a good spring, spring roll. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Um, especially if you have some sweet and sour sauce to dip mm-hmm. it in. Yeah. yeah, that's excellent. Do you guys yeah. have favorite egg roll flavor? I like pork, the traditional. Yeah, yeah. I'd say I'm probably the same. Yeah. I think so, too. I like those, and I like the shrimp ones a lot. Mm. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, you like a lot of seafood type stuff, though. I think I do. you're probably more of a seafood lover. Definitely more so than myself. I imagine more so than Brent. Cause yeah, exactly. Um, I mean, I like seafood as much as the next guy, but just not as much as you. <laughs> so I know am I, I the next guy? So and then <laughs> exactly. I know I definitely don't like fried mushrooms as much as you. Yeah, well, yeah. yeah I wouldn't. Do. I wouldn't threaten a friendship over fried mushrooms. <laughs> exactly. I'll say that much. <laughs> I wouldn't make people rearrange their entire lives just so I could have a fried mushroom. You know, I won't expect the entire lives. <laughs> <laughs> oh, just, just seventy-two hours. <laughs> yeah, just like a, a solid portion of it. Exactly. You got an infinite number of weekends. <laughs> well, and if you think about, you know, the multiverse, mm-hmm. there are, you know, I'm really only affecting this universe yeah. right. with yeah. my mushroom lust. Yeah. Do you guys know that there's a varying degrees of infinite? No. Like there's some infinites are bigger than other infinites. I didn't know that. Yeah. How so? Oh, that's, that's, a matter of co- that, that's a matter of uh, opinion, though, because you can go infinitely large and infinitely small. Okay. Yeah. For, I'll let you go first. I'll, I'll chime in after. Okay. I, I want to hear your, your input. Boy. I'll tell you what. You bring those <laughs> mushrooms up and he goes on the attack mode. <laughs> attack? He's like, go ahead, bitch. Tell me about infinite. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So it's like how many how many whole numbers are there? Say again? How many whole numbers are there? Infinite. Exactly. Okay. So say... You've got an infinite number, okay? I think I've seen numbers. the exact same video you're talking about. Oh, this was an article. Okay. If there's a video, I've missed it. All right. So, but you've also got decimals. Yeah. Okay. Reference into books. That's true. <laughs> I'm a video guy. That's... <laughs> but isn't it? Like, what is it? Your videos? There's something funny about them. Yeah. You got me uh, curious now. I don't yeah. know. Do I'm not sure. Thing? I mean. He watches a lot of uh, science-y type videos, but yeah. I don't remember what. Uh, it was something funny. I think we talked about in a previous episode. Yeah. <laughs> like his algorithm was all messed up. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. I definitely have some weird ones <laughs> pop like, up. Well, it presented <laughs> the video to me, so I just had to watch Lumberjack's pooping. Uh, yeah, that was a great one, though. It turns out I like a lot of that now. <laughs> Am I supposed to doubt YouTube? <laughs> <laughs> it told me. I mean. He was at YouTube. Right. <laughs> <laughs> So anyways, yeah, you've got an infinite number of whole numbers, okay? But then if you think about, okay, well, you've got decimal points, okay? So you've got like 1.1 and 1.11 and, you know, all the variations, okay? That goes on infinite as well, correct? Yes. Okay. Well, if you think about it, okay, the number of um, numbers between like 1 and 5 is infinite, because of all the decimal points. But if you have like through one through 10, that would be twice as much infinite. Right. Exactly. So you have varying sizes of infinite. Uh, we're not in disagreement. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but isn't that just crazy to think about? Yeah, it is an odd thing to think about. I mean, I think there's a lot of odd things. The size of the universe is a really odd thing to think about. Mm-hmm. You know, when you you know compare like distances and whatnot, it's... Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it boggles the human mind it for sure. So. so to that same end, mm-hmm. uh, back in high school mm-hmm. uh, geometry class, okay, one of our questions mm-hmm. that I, I don't know why I remember this, probably because it stuck with me, mm-hmm. similar to what you're talking about. Our teacher said, you know, how many points are mm-hmm. present in like uh, a line segment, mm-hmm. right, where yeah. it's got a definite end and a definite end. Yeah, yeah. And you put array. Right, where yeah. it's got a single point that goes on to infinity, mm-hmm. and then a line, which mm-hmm. in, in geometry terms mm-hmm. is just infinite on both ends, yep. right? Mm-hmm. And so my answer was the line. Mm-hmm. The line has an infinite amount mm-hmm. on all directions going forever. Yeah. 
And his answer, you know, for the whole class was, no, they're all infinite, mm-hmm. so you're all wrong. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and my argument was like, well, yes, they are infinite. You know, the line segment, you can go down to even mm-hmm. smaller and smaller, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, segments of that. Mm-hmm. But if you're comparing them, the infinite infinite is mm-hmm. way longer than the ray yeah. infinite or the segment infinite. Exactly. So to that end, there are definite exactly. differences in infinity in that regard. Exactly. So did you end up winning that argument with the professor? No. Okay. No. Or not was, professor, yeah, just was, teacher. Yeah, because it was high school. So. I still got the question wrong in his opinion. <laughs> but I, I did I did pitch my uh And then my, today you stopped being hot for teacher. <laughs> he was a dude, I wasn't cool with it. He was a cool guy though. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he, was a, he was a really good teacher. I love that class. So that's probably why I still remember it. Yeah, I guess thirty so. plus years later. Right. And you still drive by his house and <laughs> Yeah, we talk a lot, but it's really just me talking to him, mm-hmm. you know. Because I've got him gagged and bound. Oh, right, yeah. <laughs> So I'm trying to trying to make sure I'm like wiping all the details okay. out of this, this <laughs> anecdote. Okay, sure. A guy I went to high school with, who everybody you know knew was you know gay and everything, and then after high school he finally officially came out and everything. Okay, he was at a local homosexual establishment um, a few years later, like he's like early twenties or whatever, like a bar of some sort or something. Mm-hmm. Exactly, like that. Okay. exactly, yeah, a gay bar, and. He encountered a, a male teacher that we both had okay. um, that, you know, we both you know thought the world of. He's just a great teacher or whatever. And he starts to tell me this story about, you know, running into him at the at the gay bar and everything and, you know, talking and everything. And I started to see where the story was going. Mm-hmm. And I was like, please do not tell me that you and X <laughs> had a relationship because it's going to skewer my entire like pretty much all of my good high school memories. <laughs> uh. <laughs> and so he stopped telling his story. So it would bother you that much if, uh, I mean, at this point he's an adult, right? In a exactly, bar. So he's over he's 21. He's a former student. Hmm. I don't know. I, yeah. I can see though that where that would taint your, your yeah, view of somebody. That, exactly. Cause obviously like, there would have probably been at least a 15 year age gap or mm-hmm, more. Exactly. And then just the power dynamic of a teacher and a student. Exactly. Even though it's no longer in play, it's mm-hmm. still, kind of was yeah you know so yeah, yeah. I, I know i've had several teachers i would have totally banged yeah but i mean <laughs> i don't think i don't think brent is saying that he would look it down upon the, the, the student he would look down upon the teacher yeah. exactly <laughs> so. once a student always a student right fair enough i guess i don't know though I think that you uh, that flies in the face of some of your prior episode arguments. <laughs> I was about to bring that up. <laughs> but. Well, what if the student was asking for it out? Right. <laughs> what if she was leading him on? Or he. They or both he. met as adults. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Professor Cooper, he's, he's flesh and spirit, as the good book tells us. <laughs> you know what's great, Brent? So, you know, I've talked about how, like, whenever we talk about <laughs> Professor Cooper, again, it's season one, episode 20, adult yeah. education, our least listened Never to episode. Old. And the thing that's great is we, we had recently this, I don't know, this odd thing where some of our older episodes got listened to several times, uh-huh. um, like a, an amount of times that didn't make any sense. Uh-huh. Um, and most of season one had uh-huh. that happen, but not <laughs> episode <laughs> 20. So now the disparity is even greater uh-huh. between that episode <laughs> and many of the others. So even whatever this oddball glitch that was causing these extra uh-huh. and I can almost guarantee right over not it. a single episode of season one has been brought up nearly as much by Oh, us. yeah, definitely not. Uh, that I mean, I know we've talked <laughs> about your 
what eight that you gave the pilot episode <laughs> a couple <laughs> times, but nothing has been mentioned as many times as Professor Cooper. <laughs> exactly. The only male who's been mentioned more than Professor Cooper was Coco. Yeah. And that's just because he's in the closing. Yeah. Well, I mean, maybe Stan. Professor maybe Cooper Stan. is damn near the fucking fourth member of our podcast <laughs> at this point. <laughs> like the honorary. He's got the pick me spot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> maybe our last episode we could say single Coco <laughs> yeah. and Cooper. <laughs> right. <laughs> Well, anyways, uh, so yeah, so back to the show, though. Uh, they're in the kitchen, mm-hmm. um, and then they read in the newspaper that a leather jacket worn by a major rock star is being auctioned off for the homeless, and then they rush off to the auction house to try to, to mm-hmm. purchase this. I thought it was weird, because, you know, they alluded, they certainly allude to it being Michael Jackson. Mm-hmm. You know, never the, say the name. Yeah, yeah, they never say it. They don't say it. Why in the hell would the auction house not say who it belonged to? Wouldn't that significantly increase oh, the value yeah. if they said this <laughs> I, was worn by Michael Jackson on I'm stage? guessing that they just couldn't use his name for some reason. I don't know why. Which is weird, because they talk about Pepsi. Yeah. Oh, yeah. They, they and they have the glove. They have yeah. everything that what? certainly clearly shows it's Michael they Jackson. Say, they say Michael. Yeah. The, the the guard at the thrift shop says, Michael needs this jacket ASAP or something. Yeah. I mean, they mention Oprah Winfrey. They mention all sorts oh, of yeah. celebrities. It's just really <laughs> odd that Michael Jackson is one where they're like, well, maybe we don't want to mention his full name because that might be taboo. Exactly. Uh, you know, Michael's litigious. In 30 yeah. years. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so anyways, but that ends that scene. And now we're in another new location. We're at the auction house at this point. Mm-hmm. Uh, their timing being impeccable, they arrive just in time for the jack to come up for bid. It's the very next auction. There's a painting. Good timing. And really then, impeccable. And they're, they're planning on how they can lowball it to try to get it for a low price and what they would give for it. But mm-hmm. before they can even place a bid, a man bids $10,000 and wins the jacket. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Rose laments, I guess now I'll never uh, get to fly on the Concord. Blanche follows up with, and I'll never get to buy that emerald pendant to dangle between my perky bosoms. Mm-hmm. And Sophia completes the sorrow by stating, <laughs> I'll never get to buy perky bosoms, mm-hmm. but what the hell, nothing else perks on this body. Uh, so obviously we show that even though they never seem to have two nickels to rub together when they really need it, mm-hmm. um, they're not <laughs> having any intentions of putting this ten grand aside yeah. for a rainy day right. fund. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there's a uh, the smarmy pomelet. Uh, politician who won the auction gives a speech espousing his concern for the homeless and then reveals that the jacket was immediately uh, whisked away to a local homeless <laughs> shelter. Now, um, he says that, you know, he just put down a $10,000 donation. Right. But it doesn't really ever say what the donation goes to. So, really, I, I, don't, I wonder, does that go to any kind of charitable organization or just the auction house? Yeah, well, no, it says it's, yeah. yeah, they said okay. the auction is, in or, is okay. specifically for okay, the homeless. Yeah, 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 from the paper said that too, right? right? Yeah. Um, and so, I don't know. I mean, it, it definitely seemed like something where it, it didn't give me any better opinion of this particular politician. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, exactly. But. It was like, yeah, I've been in the news lately for, you know, the bum fights. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> you think he could actually take that jacket and then resell it later for more money <laughs> right. if he was really trying to help the homeless. Yeah, or, or he could have just donated $10,000 to a homeless shelter <laughs> and not had to make it as part of an auction <laughs> to do so. Or a publicity stunt. Yeah. Because that auction house would have sold that jacket for more than – Maybe not more than ten thousand. Who knows? Especially since they weren't willing to say it was Michael Jackson that wore it. A rock star of some kind could have belonged to from Hughie Lewis in the news, right? Yeah. But had that politician just given the ten grand, then they could have auctioned it off. Say they got five hundred bucks for it. That would have been ten thousand five hundred yes. that the homeless shelter would have gotten. Indeed. Mm-hmm. But anyways, it's like wishing for more wishes, right? <laughs> <laughs> 
So then uh, continuing on our tour of Miami, the girls are now at the uh, Mission Street Shelter for the Indigent and Homeless. Mm-hmm. Um, Brought to you by the Friends of Good Health, Good Friend Bets. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> <laughs> um, a priest, assuming they're in need of shelter, gives them some pillows and shows them into the room um, where they'll be sleeping. Mm-hmm. Now, the thing that's odd is it appears that in this homeless shelter, they put them in the room and then lock the door behind so them. that yeah. no one can get in or out yeah. <laughs> from that point forward. Um, which you're in, you're in, you're out, you're out. Yeah. Definitely seems like a recipe for disaster. Um, <laughs> so I don't know if there's even a restroom in there. <laughs> we already know that they mm. overreact to fire. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, but yeah, so so now they're they're in the the room, the sleeping room for all the uh-huh. you know, the the folks that are without homes. Mm-hmm. Um, Blanche is. Let's see, what's that? Were you gonna say something? Have you guys ever slept on a cot like that? I probably have like camp or something like yeah. that at some point in the past. But as a child, I didn't have any issue with yeah, it. Yeah, I don't yeah. know how I'd feel about it as an adult. Right. Yeah. Um, so uh, it was not a homeless shelter. Okay. But we found ourselves in a awkward situation like that. So we went up to the, um, the Lego discovery center up in Schaumburg, Illinois, like just outside of Chicago. Uh huh. Because they were having a um, a Star Wars lock in oh, okay. type thing, and it's like oh, okay, you know, we'll go up to Chicago and um, you know, we'll do that, and we're going to do some other stuff while we were up there as well. But it was one of those things. It was like oh well, you know, instead of like you know getting a motel, we'll just do the lock in and spend all night riding the rides and playing Legos and stuff like that. Okay. But it wasn't like that at all. <laughs> like at a certain time, they <laughs> shut down the rides and gave everybody a cot. <laughs> and they were like, lights out. <laughs> we're like, oh, what? <laughs> yeah. Like I just Surprise. assumed like, everything would be open all night. Right, yeah. <laughs> but um, so I, I gather up the family and I was like, all right, well, this little corner here is going to be ours. <laughs> and then like their other family, it was like a, I don't know, like a detention center for like (laughs) unaccompanied minors or something like that um and so yeah so we we spent the night there and i'm like keeping one eye open (laughs) so i kept one eye open just nobody's gonna touch our stuff (laughs) it was just the oddest thing i don't know why they didn't say that yeah that Yes, it's a lock-in, but the you know the stuff's only going to be open until nine thirty. <laughs> it's right. really a you lock-in. Get an extra in. half hour. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, public. it was literally that. It was like an extra half hour, <laughs> and then shit was shut down, and then like they woke us up at five o'clock the next morning. You think they're and like they gave us some that. donuts and stuff and got us out the door by six fifteen because they had basically to their... just played to sleep there. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it was. I, I'm a big fan of Lego and the brand and everything thing but that discovery center lock-in and, and to be fair like lego doesn't own the discovery centers oh, okay. it's something like they license out to like merlin or mm, whatever okay. the name of that company right. is um so lego is not to blame but it was just an odd <laughs> thing well regardless of the fact that when they shut down the rides i can understand yeah, they yeah. didn't have people to staff that yeah but they could totally have done additional activities for yeah, the people yeah. who stayed like <laughs> hey you guys all staying overnight yeah how about we do this activity thing yeah. like here's some handouts or trivia <laughs> or something exactly or hey um, it's legos I, let's build stuff with legos so um so to be fair like they did have some activities like that and one of the things that they had like part of it was like you get an exclusive star wars build oh, okay. okay and i forget what it was that we all put together but the kid running that little booth or whatever um, had a trivia game to go with it. Oh, okay. 
And so he's asking these Star Wars questions. And I was like, you know, giving all the kids and everything a chance to answer. But then, like, when nobody knew the answer, I was like, well, I have to answer. Right. <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, like, he asked a question. He's like, uh, you know, what species was Sebulba? Mm-hmm. And I was like, he was a Doug. <laughs> you know? And it just blew that kid's mind that I knew the answer to that question. <laughs> He's like, no one's ever gotten that one before. <laughs> wasn't there even a description, like quite an unsavory Doug or something? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and that's why I remembered it, just because of the way they said <laughs> He's a Doug, a particularly vicious Doug. Yes, yes. <laughs> I like the idea that they're like, well, oh, everything's, Annie. everything's closing down, but the gift shop's still open for your and purchasing that was, and enjoyment. Like, they did open that back up at 6.15 in the morning when they're giving us the buttons rushed did, out yeah. that we can make our purchases. Uh. Does they make you go through there to get out? Yeah, exactly. Always the exit through the gift shop. <laughs> it's a mark of any good attraction. Exactly. So, so yeah, that, that, that definitely sounds like an odd experience. Yeah. Um, now, probably still more pleasant than what the Golden Girls were, were going through at this point. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Say what <laughs> but, you want about my experience. At no point did I ever get guilt-tripped into giving somebody a stick of gum. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yeah, so the girls do decide to stay in, in hopes of finding the jacket. And uh, Rose quickly meets a fellow Minnesotan. Uh, Blanche is resting next to a man who says he is uh, staring at her purse and she gives one of the most badass threats that I've ever heard, mm-hmm. certainly on this show, but really in entertainment in general. <laughs> she says, uh, you just be careful, son. There's a long list of men who bear the scars of trying the wrong thing at me at the wrong time. Mm-hmm. Scars, I might add, that are not visible to the general public. Mm-hmm. And bro just wanted some gum. so. <laughs> <laughs> what she means is brain, you know, cranial scars. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so mental scars perhaps well i just meant like uh underneath the hair oh okay <laughs> beating till the white meat shows <laughs> to, to paraphrase bernie mac or yeah maybe maybe like she beat their head and like there's like scarring internally like, like a bite the curb brain bruising <laughs> <laughs> That's, i think that'd probably be apparent yeah, yeah. Um, yeah so then uh Dorothy and Sophia are sharing a cop, and when a question on her comfort, Sophia replies, Oh yeah, before we leave, I need to get the model number off this cot. I'm hoping Ethan Allen makes one in Naughty Pine. Now, of course, at this point, none of them have shown the slightest bit of, uh, I don't know, concern or caring about any of these people who are suffering right. through through this. You and they're know. there trying to look for this extra money. Right. Yes. And, and couldn't give a shit less about all these people who are struggling, exactly. you know, and in this position where they're without a home. They are all out of the running for the best friend of good health and <laughs> yeah, best yeah. friend award. The Definitely. fact that they were, like, run, walking down this alley in the middle of the night looking for the jacket already lost me a, a few respect points. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Now, uh, as the girls talk with those near them, we hear of an elderly woman who outlived her family and her money and got kicked out of the retirement home, Uh, the aging black man who lost his job in the hotel industry and couldn't find a place willing to train him for a new position. I think he'd be a good short order cook. Yeah, I would think so, too. Um, (laughs) And and the young Ph.D. who fell prey to the pressures of life and turned to alcohol. So two episodes in a row in which Blanche hooks onto a Ph.D. <laughs> yep. Bro didn't just want gum after all. Exactly. <laughs> She's like, you're a Ph.D. Pretty hard dick. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, after most everyone else goes to sleep, the girls start stalking around. Yeah. <laughs> stalking around the, the homeless shelter looking for the jacket. 
uh, while the song uh, Brother Can You Spare a Dime plays in the background, mm-hmm. which I can't remember if they've ever had something like that where they've had music playing over Mm-mm. something else going on. No. Um, now, this was a show last episode and the episode before just rife with opportunities for Alan's deep dive. This one, not so much. (laughs) There was very, very little, almost no references to anything um, Uh in this one. So this episode's uh, Alan's deep dive is going to be Brother, Can You Spare a Dime? Okay. Uh, This is uh, one of the best known American songs of the Great Depression, Mm -hmm. written by lyricist uh, Yip Harburg and composer Jay Gromney, or Gromney, uh, Brother, Can You Spare a Dime was part of the 1932 musical review Americana, and the melody is based on a Russian-Jewish lullaby. Uh, the song became best known through recordings by Bing Crosby and Rudy Valley that were released in late 1932, and uh, the song received positive reviews and was one of the most popular songs of that year. As one of the few popular songs uh, during the era to discuss the darker aspects of the collapse, it came to be viewed as an anthem of the Great Depression. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, of course, if anybody doesn't know, you know, the Great Depression uh, was when uh, the Wall Street crash had a severe impact on the country. Twenty five percent of American men were unemployed uh, during that. And it said that uh, after his appliance business went bankrupt, Yip Yarberg had gone into the music business. That seems like an obvious next step <laughs> after appliances, um, working as a lyricist. And the uh, melody derives from a Jewish lullaby that the uh, composer Jay Gromney immigrated to the United States in 1906 heard in his native Russia. Uh, Grammy recalled that the pair came up with the title Brother Can You Spare a Dime after walking in the Central Park where they heard unemployed men asking, can you spare a dime? Mm-hmm. It seemed a little uncreative. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and then... Uh, Turned out well, though, in the end. Right. Exactly. Now, at the time... Nothing like the pleas of the homeless to set my foot at tapping. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Now, at the time, a dime would have been equivalent to a dollar fifty-five in two thousand twenty money, so mm. it would have been a little bit more, um, yeah, you know, helpful than a dime would be today. Yeah, and then apparently there were, you know, references in the song to the uh, bonus army protest about military bonuses payable only after twenty-one years, mm-hmm. and then uh, Harburg said in an interview that the man is really saying, "I made an investment in this country. Where the hell are my dividends?" And the the song doesn't reduce him into to a beggar. It makes him a dignified human being asking questions and a bit outraged, too, as he should be. Uh, there's been a lot of covers of the song as well. Um, apparently, just after the, the song was performed by vaudeville singer Rex Weber as part of Americana, which ran from October to December of 1932 but was not successful. Uh, but three weeks after it opened, the song was covered by up-and-comer Bing Crosby, for Brunswick Records, um, and it was also covered by Rudy Valley shortly thereafter for Columbia Records, and then by the end of the year, Al Jolson had covered Al Jolson had covered the song uh, on his uh, show on NBC. Nice. So yeah, did you already did, say who sang this version? Uh, no, this particular version. No, uh, so, uh, I don't know if you knew that or not. Judy Collins. Oh, okay, Judy Collins. So that she was the one who sang the one that we heard oh, in this correct. episode. Okay. Yeah. And a few thematic depression songs were popular because Americans didn't want the music which reminded them of the economic situation. But this song was the exception that proved the rule. Unlike other popular songs of the same era, which tended to be upbeat with such titles as Happy Days Are Here Again and On the Sunny Side of the Street and Life is Just a Bowl of Cherries, Brother put words and music to what many Americans were feeling, fear, grief, even anger. The song was one of the first musical works to take the depression seriously 
and it was one of the most popular 20 songs of 1932 uh, in the United States. Mm-hmm. So like I said, this was an episode that was very lacking in potential subject matter, but at least that's where the, the name obviously derives from, and then that yeah. awkward song playing. I thought you did a fine I job. it was perfect. Um, I thought the inclusion of the song was perfect, um, because like you said, the songs, you know, just... Fear, grief, and anger. Right. Which are definitely the three emotions I felt watching this episode. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry you had to suffer, <laughs> suffer through it. Um, so then uh, the music stops. You know, now they're... You tried to do a recap drop. <laughs> You're like, oh, shit, I still got 20 minutes to go. <laughs> <laughs> well, I've only got another two sentences and then the, the guest actors. But, um, but Blanche finds the ticket, but the girls decide to give the ticket to the priest, uh, assumably, you know, for the shelter instead and, and that closes out the episode hopefully he spends it on the shelter yeah well that's the thing did you, is that, did you mention that sophia knew the older lady from oh no, i guess I, I didn't mention that it was, she was someone who she knew from the past um and you know she goes into her story about yeah you know, each of the different each of the different uh, homeless people that they interacted with you know go into their their that, stories that as to story, what led yeah. them to where to be in without a home um so yeah so we had a uh, before i get into the guest actors do any either of you two have any additional add not yet. Okay. Uh, well, we had we had quite a few, of course. Um, we had a uh, Carl Wiggergott. He played Kenny. Uh, Forty-six titles to his name. Two hundred and fifty-three episodes of The Simpsons, uh, doing various uh, characters. Legs probably the most prominent of mm-hmm. those, as nice. far as like a regular character. He also has done Bill Clinton on that, which hopefully is in one of my favorite Trias of Horror episodes. Oh, where yeah. don't blame me. Yeah, exactly. Um, and he was also in the Simpsons movie as the. Uh, EPA driver. Uh, he was in episodes of Star Trek Enterprise and Star Trek Voyager. And this is actually his second episode of the Golden Girls. He was in on Golden Girls, uh, season one, episode six. Mm. I, I'm assuming he must have been one of the, f- the friends of uh, her, her grandson in that episode that gotcha. came over. Yeah. Uh, then we had uh, Matthew Faison. He was a uh, Father Campbell. 134 titles to his name. He had uh, some time in Deep Space Nine. And this is his only Golden Girls episode. Mm-hmm. We had a Teddy Wilson. Yay. <laughs> he played Ben. 91 titles to his name. This is his second Golden Girls. And I'm guessing that part of what led him to this homeless shelter was maybe leaving the Golden Girls in charge of the diner <laughs> in uh, the season two episode, uh, Twas the Nightmare Before Christmas, because mm-hmm. um, he was the one who wanted to get home to visit his family during mm-hmm. their party. Exactly. Um, so he was uh, in five episodes of the Red Fox show as Jim Jam, mm-hmm. as well as, you know, like I said, 91 titles altogether. Yeah. Then we had uh, Andre Rosie Brown. He played the bodyguard. 85 titles to his name. I'm sure Brent remembers him best as Big Fatso in Barbed Wire. Of course. <laughs> and Bar- this is. You guys ever see Barbed Wire? I've never seen it, no. That's Pamela Anderson, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I never did see it, no. Uh, well, long story short, um, it's a remake of Casablanca. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll have to play it again, Sam. Yeah. But um, we do. This is his first of two Golden Girls, and we get to see him later in season four. Okay. Uh, Howard Goodwin, he was the auctioneer. 11 titles for him. This is his only Golden Girls. Art K. Caustic, he was Dave. 20 titles for him, Only his only Golden Girls. Uh, Stan Wajno was Philip Starr. 21 titles to him, and this was his only Golden Girls. And uh, Sherry Robin, Robinowitz, or Rabinowitz? Yeah, probably Rabinowitz. She was the homeless mother um, she didn't. She wasn't actually credited for the episode, um, but she has six titles to her name, and this is her only Golden Girls. Also, mm-hmm. apparently, she has a an, some sort of an acting school that she runs now. Oh yeah. Mm-hmm. What but, was her name? Uh, Sherry Rabinowitz. <laughs> but uh, any notable graduates from there? 
not that they mentioned, but I didn't research that deeply into it. <laughs> <laughs> Time was short. <laughs> and we had one other uh, guest or one other actor in that one, uh, Herd Aware. Okay, now there's some controversy here mm-hmm. uh, that I'm making up. Uh, <laughs> Herd Aware, she's 52 titles. Um, she was in an episode of uh, Star Trek The Next Generation as uh, Yvette Picard. Okay. I don't know if that's the mother or what relation she is to uh, Captain Picard, but yeah. that would seem like a reasonable guess. Yeah. Um, and she was in a Cocoon and Cocoon Tune as Rose Leftowitz. What? So last episode, <laughs> supposedly she died, you know, because she would have been married mm. to Max in Cocoon. Nice. So she was Max's wife in Cocoon, ah. an old friend of Sophia's. We just found out that an old friend of Sophia's died in the prior episodes and she married right? the husband. Maybe she's been, you know, uh, what's the word, gaslit into thinking, you know, all the situation. Max maybe just abandoned her there for all we know. (laughs) (laughs) He would abandon Esther, who Sophia knew. (laughs) Well, yeah, but I mean, maybe Sophia was confused. (laughs) Maybe. She was still traumatized from being gassed in World War I. We did talk about the multiverse. This Mm -hmm. is where he crossed over. He's a Mm -hmm. jumper. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) See, I thought that was interesting that we had a married couple from, I mean, a couple who was married in Cocoon, Mm -hmm. Cocoon 2, were guest Adjacent. actors in back-to-back episodes yeah. <laughs> so um oddly enough they both paid old people yeah. <laughs> what? so weird so that was all of our guest actors in that uh barn burner of an episode fun, cool. fun, fun. well tune in next week <laughs> so, so we're not even gonna offer an mvp or, or ratings for this one oh. did you guys have favorite lines i don't think we mentioned. i, I mean we meant i mentioned a couple as i went through but there wasn't much uh to as far as the funny goes was there something that stood out to you? Well, not necessarily fun, funniest line, but I thought uh, when uh, Sophia's friend, uh, the older lady, uh, kind of talked about how she uh, thought you know getting older was just something that happened to you, mm-hmm. not something you had to pay for. Right. I thought that kind of encompassed the entire end of the show. Now, how would you have felt about it if instead of playing brother, can you spare a dime if um – if John Mellencamp would have come, a song of, you know, oh, yeah, life goes on. <laughs> Long <laughs> after the thrill <laughs> <that> is gone. <laughs> so, yeah. It was a heavy episode, though, especially that last third of it. Yeah. Well, since Brent's not going to ask, I'm curious. Oh, shit. Yeah. I'm sorry. As the host, I'm supposed to ask this stuff. <laughs> so, right, so we just discussed the fact that there were no good lines in this episode. <laughs> no great lines, anyway. There, there was a couple solid ones, but nothing great. All right. no, not uh, a whole lot to laugh at. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, so, um, who are you giving your MVP to, Ski? Uh, initially, I had planned to say this more hilariously, but... Uh, so definitely Blanche for clearly pickpocketing a sleeping homeless person. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. But uh, I think actually, in in all, all honesty, uh, I'm gonna kind of go out of my own normal, uh, you know, trend. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna say that uh, Sophia's elder friend from Shady Pines. Oh yeah, I thought she like the lines she delivered there, or her story that she yeah. told. She needs a win. I thought, yeah. yeah. Well, I thought she encompassed a lot of the feeling of the show in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Exactly. How about you, Alan? Did you have an MVP? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I'll go with Ski. I'll give it to Ida also. Right. Um, I mean, none of the four main act. Granted, they weren't given a lot to work with. Yeah. Um, so I feel like it would just be trying to pick somebody um, if I if I chose any of the four. I mean, if I was confined to them, I'd probably go with Rose. Mm-hmm. But even still, I mean, it's just not much to, to love about this episode, comedy-wise at least. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I think Ida was the most poignant of the mm-hmm. – 
of the folks that were giving their stories. Yeah. Um, and she also, I think, probably had the most screen time out of the, the homeless mm-hmm. folks. Yeah. So, yeah. So, I, I, I guess I'd go with Ida. Yeah. How about you, Brunt? Teddy Wilson. Oh, okay. Yeah. I really liked him. Um, I thought he was, you know, charming and amusing and everything. Mm-hmm. I, he I think was my he, runner up. Yeah. He was really good. And, you know, returning <laughs> guest star and right. everything like that. So. The fact that you played two totally distinct characters. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I think Alan's right. It's a direct line. You, <laughs> you walk out on your job. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so. Family left him, and now he's in the shelter. Yeah. Uh, so sort of got our good lines, great lines, whatever. Our MVP. Um, if we're going to give it slices of cheesecake, that's the next thing we talk about. Yeah, this is a hard one because normally I like to reserve my low scores for episodes that um, – I just find really objectionable, yeah. you know, with their their comedy and whatnot. You know, like like of course, Blanche's little girl, mm-hmm. terrible one. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. The mixed mess or was it mixed uh, blessings? Yeah. Um, but this one didn't well, fall you into don't that. Love those, <laughs> right? <laughs> this one didn't have that. I mean, granted, it, it definitely didn't, paints. It didn't denigrate anyone specifically. No, but it definitely paints the Golden Girls as being really out of touch, and mm-hmm. um, you know, up until the point where they decide. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, I finally. guess people <laughs> right. <laughs> and after, it just, they, after they spent all night searching for <laughs> <laughs> right and the only episode i can remember that was more bereft of comedy was probably empty nest uh, <laughs> 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 um, that's where you and i differ <laughs> paul dooley mr fixing <laughs> he got rita moreno <laughs> now, I, I would say because i do i like the overall in-game message of it yeah. of you know being uh, sympathetic towards uh, people without homes mm-hmm. um but the lead-up was rough and the the comedy was lacking so i'm only going to give it two two slices mm-hmm. um and i could see giving it less honestly if i was really just going with the poignancy of it i might go up to like a four mm-hmm. but i have to i have to uh, yeah. balance that out with the almost total lack of comedy yeah so two how about you, Ski? I'm going to go three. I'm kind of the exact same reasons, really. Okay. I'm going with zero. zero. Um, oh, wow. Made me miss the times when they were just murdering minks in the garage. <laughs> <laughs> um, I just thought it was just so you were, horrendously... You were longing for Rose's uh, lonely uh, happy birthday. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I just thought it was so out of character for the Goldens, who we've seen in numerous episodes doing numerous things for charity, right. being actively involved. I mean, it's one of those things that... Like, I think you could make this episode work, but you just can't do it with the Goldens just yeah. because what we know about them and their characters. Right. Like, if this was an episode of Seinfeld, I could definitely see those four, you know, go into a homeless shelter to try to get, you know, steal $10,000 <laughs> for somebody worse off. Right. You know, but I just don't see the Goldens doing it. Yeah, I agree. Well, I feel like there is a way that you could write that episode that didn't paint them in such a bad light like if they're like oh the jacket ended up here and they didn't know where it was and then they realize Mm -hmm. once they get there um that it's a homeless shelter or once Mm -hmm. they're like in the process of trying to find the jacket you know what i mean i even thought they could give it to a a different spin like blanche had bought the jacket kind of just out of being like selfish and and greedy to her not greedy but like treating herself right Mm -hmm. if they had said something about you know, the jacket was her great-grandma's or something yeah. where it held, like, a special importance or it belonged to someone else and it was borrowed or something. Mm-hmm. Oh, we got to get it back for so-and-so. Right. 
Like if it was Elvis's cape instead of yes, yes, yeah. <laughs> and if she was like, oh, on that jacket, not only is it really sentimentally valuable, but it also is worth a lot of money. You yeah. know, something it's a like half-eaten pork chop in the pocket, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, meat still I'd argue, on that bone. I'd argue a quarter le- or a quarter eaten. <laughs> Man, there's just a lot of ways you could have gone with this episode that would have been a little more in character mm-hmm. with the Goldens and and just you know you gotta have more comedy. I mm-hmm. feel like it's a sitcom, so yeah. you gotta have a little bit better on the comedy. Even if you want to bring it down the last five minutes of the show with mm-hmm. you know some reality, yeah, you know I totally am on board with that. But the comedy prior to that was just so yeah. mediocre too. Exactly. So. Or maybe even ending on a bit of a higher note. Yeah, I mean, I guess it was a higher, a high note that they gave the money away, right? Um, and maybe they felt like it was better to end it a little somber, but maybe. with that little bit of positivity, as opposed to then showing them in the kitchen lamenting that they didn't have the money or something like <laughs> yeah. that. But yeah, I don't, I don't know. I guess I do like the fact that I guess you know in 1988, people see it's like, oh, they gave the lottery ticket to a priest. They just assume it's a happy ending, <laughs> you know. <laughs> like now we're so jaded, we're like, "Oh, yeah. he's just going to spend it on altar boys." Well, he yeah, was well, helping to run a homeless shelter, although what were his motivations? <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It's a it's a, a sad state of affairs, um, but but anyways, I'm I don't necessarily I don't regret watching the episode at all, but I, <laughs> it's definitely not one that would ever get back into my rotation for just pleasure viewing. Yeah. So. I don't regret watching the episode either. Um, my only regret is that you had to suffer through the review. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you notice, you notice our, our other, uh, another member of our podcast doesn't seem to have any regret about that. He doesn't. <laughs> he doesn't. In his well, defense, I appreciate your, your, your covering me. He, he, he issued his Mia culpa last week. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so. Anyways, so I don't know. How are we doing on time? Oh, just uh, just about to an hour. So by the time I, you know, trim this down a little bit, we'll probably you know sail in around fifty-five minutes, fifty okay. minutes, something like that. Right. Cool. Well then, our work's done. <laughs> <laughs> well then, I feel spent. <laughs> I do. I'm exhausted. So I'm gonna go find myself a nice cotton <laughs> down for the night. Watch your purse. Watch your <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Last thing I want to do is cut the two of you in your unmentionable unseens. <laughs> <laughs> well, since uh, Brent's definitely winding down um, and and struggling with his hosting duties this particular episode, <laughs> I think we should all just uh, stay golden, Coco. Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at sophiaschoicepodcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at sophiaschoicepc. We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden.